Welcome back to Breakfast with Champions. I'm your host, Sean Galvin. This week's interview is with Mr. Jim Bernstein. Mr. Bernstein grew up in Detroit, attended the University of Michigan, and somehow is a successful Hollywood screenwriter despite living in Michigan this whole time. Jim's notable works include Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito, The Mighty Ducks 3, and 2013 drama Love and Honor starring Liam Hemsworth. This interview is of particular interest to you aspiring writers out there as I investigate Mr. Bernstein's writing habits, routines, and how he deals with writer's block. This is easily the longest interview in the brief history of this podcast. I had a blast recording it. I know you're going to be entertained. Feel free to jump around. Uh, first outdoor podcast, so uh, enjoy the birds. Okay, we're going to try this again. Technical difficulties prevented the outdoor mobile podcast, so we have set, settled for a stationary outdoor podcast. Uh, very excited to have Mr. Jim, Jim Bernstein with us. Um, he has a, uh, uh, a, a rather amazing IMDB page, which I was just on this morning. But uh, good morning, Jim. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Sean. Um, <clears throat> so... To give to give the listeners, I know we tried this walking and and, and, we, and we made a lot of progress, but to go back to a overall synopsis of who is Jim Bernstein, where you're from, etc. Right. Uh, I I grew up in Detroit, and when I was 15, uh, halfway through high school, uh, my parents moved out to the suburbs, and I finished up uh, at at Birmingham Groves. Um, and then I went to the University of Michigan, uh, and I knew what I wanted to be from the time I was 10 years old, which was to be a lawyer. Uh-huh. And that's a pretty dumb time to decide. Not a lot of 10-year-old boys walking around say, saying, I want to be a lawyer. Right. Well, you know, as, I, as, as I've told you in the past, I, I wanted to play shortstop for the Detroit Tigers, but I, I feared I couldn't hit the curveball the way I would like. Right, right, right. So, that, that also got... Me right. out of baseball. The right. heater I could handle. Right. I could run the bases, but that right. curve, I, I was a deer right. in the headlights. I had a good glove, but uh, good luck. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, you know, being a lawyer would be cool. There was a lot of, there was a lot of drama. Um, I read books about Clarence Darrow. Um, and so I went to University of Michigan thinking, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I, was a, I was an English major, uh, which is great preparation, communication, all that kind of stuff. And when I was at U of M, I took a creative writing course. Uh, the first one I took, I don't know, I was either a sophomore or a junior. I can't, I can't really remember which semester I, I took it. Uh-huh. And the, 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 the professor who was, um, in fact, Robert Hayden was the first African-American poet laureate of America. Hmm. Um, he read um, my story one day in class, and he asked, he asked me afterwards, if I ever thought of becoming a writer. Uh-huh. And I literally laughed and said, is that a job? I mean, you know, do, would, would anybody pay you to do that? Yeah. I'm thinking, if it's that much fun, how can it be a job? Yeah, right? wow, wow, right? yeah, yeah. And so... And, and then, up until this moment, that that was just never an option for you? No. No, I really did not know it was a job. I mean, wow. seriously. Wow. I, I didn't think of it in those terms. Um, and... I mean, if I thought about it for five minutes, I might have, but it's just not for me. You know, nobody would pay me to do this. And so, so is, 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 it, is it possible to, to, to speculate on if this moment didn't happen, if this guy, if you didn't write that paper? Because it, if you didn't write that story? No, yeah. it's, it's easily. 
possible. But then I, you know, I sort of got the bug and I took playwriting and, uh-huh. you know, I, I loved, I loved the theater and all that kind of stuff. But the major influence, uh, on, on my education was a, a professor named Russell Frazier who, um, had recently passed away. But I, I had him as a freshman where you took regular English composition, mm-hmm. but instead of what did I do on my summer vacation for an essay, he had you read Shakespeare plays and write compositions about those. Sure. And, I mean, he, he, was, he was literally one of the five greatest Shakespearean scholars on the planet. Wow. And he was, his first year at Michigan was my first, was my first year. Uh-huh. Um, he had come from, I think, Princeton. And he was head of the department. And, I, you know, I'm 17 years old, and I'm thinking, I, and I really didn't understand. He spoke in a language, an English that I did not speak. Sure, he sure. words, and I'm like, I've always gone to the dictionary after class. What, what, what's that mean? And 17 is still pretty young to be able to appreciate that, I think, yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, I think of oh, where I was at at 17. Yeah. I don't know. if I, I, I might be glossing over and maybe well, just find a way to beat the system it, and get a B and it, get by. It was one of those teachers where it was, I mean, he was so so brilliant and so intimidating. Uh-huh. Um, I remember one day in class, you know, he asked a question. I raised my hand. I was talking about, we're talking about Romeo and Juliet, first play we did. Yeah. And I said, you know, this guy, and he stopped me and he said, Mr. Bernstein, Romeo is not a guy. Yeah, it's like, a lazy word, oh, guy. Like, oh, yeah. oh, 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 my God. I'm, I'm an idiot. So yeah. I, 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 I was determined that, you know, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get this. And um, I did well in the class. And then my senior year, he taught the complete works of Shakespeare. It was a full-year course. Okay. So it was for graduate students and seniors, so I signed up for it. And, I mean, really, when I look back, if I'd only taken that one course, mm-hmm. that's a college education right there. Mm-hmm. The complete works of Shakespeare, you know. Mm-hmm. It was wow. incredible. Yeah. And so one day in class, and I'm always conscious of this when I'm teaching, um, it was a throwaway line at the beginning of class. He talked about some Woody Allen movie when Woody Allen was first coming out, some comedy mm-hmm. that he had uh, seen. And he said, if Shakespeare were alive today, he'd be a screenwriter. And my head started to spin. Mm-hmm. Like the exorcist was a screenwriter. What's that? Now, yeah. here I am. Yeah. Here I am working, trying senior. to figure out how to be a yeah, senior, trying yeah. to be a playwright. And it's never really dawned on me that somebody wrote all that cool stuff you see on the screen. It's the same as a play. Yeah. If it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. Yeah. Right? They're not. They're not just winging it up there. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Nothing you see, it has to. It has to exist on page. It's a story. Yeah. I never read a screenplay, so I'm like, I got to figure out what that is. Yeah. That that sounds cool. I love movies. I got to figure this out. Yeah. So I'm 21. I get married. Uh, you know, a, a month after uh, we graduate. Okay. Um, what year is this? 1972. Okay. And uh, it's, I know that sounds like the Stone Age. Hey, man. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's a cool time to be in Ann Arbor, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so so your, so your freshman year would have been, what, 68? 68. Which is the craziest year in American history, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, it was, it was right up there. And to be in Ann Arbor, yeah. protests, all the, all the wow, oh, we, yeah. we could podcast oh, for days, man. I was part of all that. Wow. Um, wow. So we, we get married a month after 
graduation, and we're driving to Madison, Wisconsin, where I'm going to go to law school because momentum carries you from ten years old. You know, you're just on that road. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, I'm so, lawyer had been the thing, yeah. and so screenwriter pops up, but it's almost a pipe dream. It's almost a well, no, I know, not even, not even. They think it's real. I just want to know what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but you're, you're. That kind of momentum can't be stopped, right? right? And so I'm driving to law school, and I, it's a long ride to Madison. You know, it's like 11 hours. You go around the lake. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, Come on. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be a lawyer. Uh-huh. Oh, you're uh, just not feeling it. You're oh, just... I haven't even started. Uh-huh. What do I want to do when I grow up? Yeah. I mean, this is the wrong time to have this question, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Actually, it's the right time. Who but, are your role who are your role models at, at these times? Obviously, we got the professor. Yeah. Um, was, there, was there a lawyer that you knew that, that, that well, you wanted to emulate? Or? Well, I had, a, I had an older cousin out in California who was, a, who was a lawyer, and he was kind of like a hero in the family. I think I had a, a, another cousin who, who um, I don't think he was, had already gotten out of law school. Um, but, you know, it pretty much, when, when I grew up, as a kid, my dad came out of the depression, mm-hmm. so he he had to stop going to college to work in his father's store, that kind of stuff. And I mean, you you literally had two choices put in front of you: you can be a doctor, or you're going to be a lawyer. Okay. I mean, you know, those okay. are the options. Yeah. And I knew that I wasn't going to be a doctor, right? Uh-huh. So, uh So, you know, lawyers seemed pretty good, right? Yeah. But I also I was fascinated by the the drama of you know. Of the trials, right? Sure. But your theme yeah, song. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. All those shows on television. Uh-huh. Uh, I read a couple of Grisham books, and I'm, yeah. and I'm like, hey, this, this is all right. <laughs> this you know, all right, the time right. to kill, I can be that guy. I can be that guy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm in, on the drive, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And I realize, man, I, I, I want to teach Shakespeare to people who wouldn't have it. Yeah. Unless I taught it to him. In other words... Which I think is all of us. I don't think anybody picks up a Shakespeare play and just no, reads it. Well, when you go to the University of Michigan, you go to you know Michigan State, you go to whatever school you go to, they have it there. You should take it, right? Yeah. They've got great people who can teach it. Yeah. You should take it. It'll be part of your education. Yeah. Great. But if you're, if you're somebody who, who doesn't go to college or you're somebody who didn't have that opportunity or you're somebody who... who you know, was in another field, and you never had the opportunity. You're an engineer, and you're, you're, you're just never exposed. Yeah, I want I want to teach to you. I want I want to share with you, um, what I think is you know the the greatest literature in the history of the world. Greatest uh, in the history of the world. And I don't think there's any argument with that no, either. I think no. it stands alone. It stands alone. And now that you mention it, um, my entire exposure to Shakespeare has been via a Bernstein. Whether it be wife. you, your wife, your daughter, or, or maybe one of right. your boys, yeah. a dash of that. But yeah, that, entirely that. Right. So yeah, we're sort of like Shakespeare evangelists. <laughs> yeah. Know? So so here here, I think that would be super cool uh-huh. to find an audience to teach that to, and two, you know, I want to kind of write my own drama. You yeah. Know? Maybe it'll be plays, but I, I want to know what that screenplay thing. Yeah. Is is like. Yeah. We'll do a we'll do a quick a quick pause here. Okay. Dean, sir, I'm sorry. I made a horrible mistake. Wow. I don't. I should not be here. Uh, and he, he says he looks at me and says, oh, 
do you think you're the first person to come in? Did you right. tell me this? Everybody feels this way the first year of law school. Uh-huh. And I go, I really mean it. Like, <laughs> I'm sincere. <laughs> I'm sincere. I'm not. Yeah, we're not. We're not kidding here. <laughs> and so he says, tell you what, go the first semester. And then if you want to take time off, fine. We'll give you up to five years to finish. I'm thinking... It's so hard to get in, but it's harder to get out. Yeah, it's not fair, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would do things like, in, in the first legal memo I wrote, I'm using, like, evidence from Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, to prove insanity. Uh-huh. Thinking, well, this will never fly. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the guy's great my paper. This is brilliant. We, oh, no. So I'm doing too well. So, oh, so, my so, goodness. So, it and, reminds me of the movie Police Academy yeah. where Mahoney is just trying to get thrown out the whole time, but they won't do it. They won't do it, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so I can't. Uh, so finally, at the end of the day, I just, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Um, and I say, okay, now I'm a little afraid because am I really going to go out there and write and try to teach Shakespeare? And I think, well, I better go back to something I, I know I love. I'll go back to the University of Michigan. Uh huh. <clears throat> Maybe I'll be cut, get a PhD, become a college professor, and I'll sort of write on the side, and I'll teach Shakespeare. Uh-huh. But I was, I was, I was retreating, and so I came back and I got my master's in a year. Okay. And, and at U of M. At U of M. Okay. And I realized you can't. There's no such. You can't. In that in that age, they had so many English PhDs. There was no jobs. And so I right. thought. I said, you know, I said, I said, you know what? I don't want that job anymore. I want to go out and do what I want to do. Uh-huh. So I'm just, just going to do it. But while that year was really good for me, in that I read my first screenplay. Okay. And it was Roman Polanski's version of Macbeth. And I'd never, and so I took something I knew, right, which was Shakespeare, but saw how he did it as a screenplay. Sure. And I mean, I studied that thing like the Rosetta Stone. Uh-huh. And I fell in love with uh-huh. the form. Okay. With what 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 a screenplay, literally what it looked like. Yeah. It was so cool I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, at, once I went out there and said, "Okay, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. To, I'm gonna start to write." Um, I started to get stuff done locally. You know. Uh, people, and what is that? What is that? So so you so you started to create well, stories. I did a a, a a woman who I w- I would like. Like applied for jobs in different areas that involved writing, um, and one was like at a radio station. But they just want to introduce you to this woman, and this woman who was an actress and was a producer. She said, "I I have to put on a half hour drama for Channel Fifty Six and Channel Seven that takes place, you know, during the holiday time, during Hanukkah time." Could you write a half-hour thing? And, uh, and I said, well, yeah, I can do that. And so mm-hmm. I did. And they and they made it, and it was sort of syndicated, you know, across across the country. And it was like, believe me, if I saw it now, I would, like, be so embarrassed. <laughs> it was awful. But but it made me think I was a writer. You know, we brought in actors. Well, game. yeah. I yeah. mean, if it's it, yeah, it syndicated that. across the country, that, yeah, but, that, you know, that's huge. Public, Especially public. if it, we're, we're in the 70s now, right? Yeah, yeah. Different public television station. Sure, right? sure. And I got hired to do a short a, a, a short film. Um, so, but, by this wh- group. But, 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 you know, you're not supporting yourself off that. So I'm, writing, I'm doing a lot of, 
uh, freelance advertising. Okay. Where you're really learning how to communicate. And I loved radio because it's great for comedy. I write a lot of commercials mm-hmm. for and everybody from Stroh's Ice Cream to University of Michigan Football. Okay. Um, and so you're just trying to find gigs, though. You're just, just trying, trying to, I want to pay just, for my just, writing time. Just trying to. I want to, I want to get. I want to make money quickly. Yeah. So, you know, I can, so that I can pay my bills, but so that I can, now I can start to write what I want to write. Right, right, right. So, so if, if you're, if you're trying to get a gig, whether, whether, whether it's to write a commercial or right. this, you said it was a, a 30 minute yeah, yeah. bit. Okay. So, so what's, so what's step one? Well, step one, trying I mean, to what get I would do is I would just, I would like, I would, I would, if it was writing, I'd write, I'd try it. Right. So. There was a, there used to be a magazine for the Detroit Free Press called Detroit. Sure. Um, and I just got a hold of the editor and said, "I'd like to write an article about this." Okay, great. So mm-hmm. I started to be, I started to, whenever I had an idea that I thought would be a good story. Now, really, every story I picked was pretty much something that could be a, a film. I realized afterwards. Really? Yeah. Or, or, or the ones I leaned to were very dramatic. Okay. And, you know, I, I get published. It's like back in those days, it had on Sunday a circulation of 750000 Now, you didn't get paid a lot of money, but you'd see your stuff out there. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. But I realized uh, journalism's tough. That, that's a lot of work. I, I've got to do what, what I do. I want to be a, I want to I write my own dramatic stories. Uh-huh. So at a certain time, I made a deal with myself. I would... I would work three days a week for hire, and the rest of the time I would write my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to make what I could in three days and mm-hmm. do what I did. And so uh, in the meantime, I'm looking to teach Shakespeare for free mm-hmm. to people. Wow. And I, I, li- I knock on doors. I go to community centers. I go to senior citizen places. Yeah, you really got to put, put yourself out there. So nobody, you're a salesman. Nobody wants it. Nobody. <laughs> I, I went to, I think it was the, the Birmingham Community Center. Knock, knock. I, I like to teach, you know, Shakespeare to senior citizens. And they said, um, We're not can you teach aerobics? I said, no, Shakespeare. <laughs> and they said, what about macrame? I said, no, this is crazy. Yeah, aerobics with Shakespeare, <laughs> d- a could, dash of that. I literally could not give it away. Yeah. And so then finally, uh, a, a friend of mine uh, named Lee Rosselli, who was an a admissions counselor at Wayne State University, called me up and said, I still want to teach Shakespeare. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah. He said, they're looking for an English teacher to teach like composition out to Sulphur National Guard base. And I, and I said, soldiers? Yeah. And he said, yeah. I said, that's it. That's exactly who I'm looking Bingo. for. Bingo. Yeah. That's it. So I called the Army Education Center guy, uh-huh. and I tell him, listen, this is going to be great. I'm going to teach English composition just as I had it in English mission, but they're going to read Shakespeare. And he goes, not interested. And I said, oh. no, no, you don't understand. This is going to be great. Yeah. I called him every day. Nice. And he finally said, he literally finally says, okay, okay. If you promise to never call me again. <laughs> How I many did, days total did oh, you call? Oh, I just call? did it every day. <laughs> I said, this is it. This, you don't understand. This is my call. So he finally let me do it. Yeah. And, and if you had told me that day mm-hmm. that when I first drove out to Selfridge out Mount Clemens and drove on that base, yeah. that I, my, the, the, my two dreams would intersect 
because it was as a result of teaching Shakespeare to soldiers that my first feature movie idea came about, which was oh. Renaissance Man, oh. which is about teaching Shakespeare to soldiers. But I didn't see how the two things would come together. Yeah. I was writing other stuff. I was writing some TV movies. I was, you know, it was a, you know, the usual ups and downs of Hollywood. I, uh, one of my things that was going to get made and that didn't turned into a play, and that was great. Yeah. But I, I wanted to be a screenwriter, and my first feature. Uh-huh. I, I'm just the lucky fool who, the very first feature film I wrote, I sold and got made. Okay. Um, in a big, you know, big Hollywood movie directed by Penny Marshall uh-huh. and starring Danny DeVito. It's yeah. also Mark Wahlberg's first movie. So, so that was your first one? First one. And that's my first feature film. Okay. And then he made for the movies. Sure, sure. Um, and it, it's really just about two things that I, that I loved. Teaching Shakespeare... And wanting, if Shakespeare were alive today, he'd be a screenwriter. And those two things coming coming together in ways I never could have dreamed of. Yeah. But once I saw it, after about four or five years teaching there, I was like, as my friend and mentor, Kurt Ludke, the you know, Academy Award winning screenwriter from Michigan, uh-huh. um, who you know, said to me one day, did you ever think about writing about those stories you told me about teaching Shakespeare soldiers. Yeah. I said, yeah, I've thought about it. He said, well, why, don't, you know, why don't you do it? Come up with a story, you know, how option. And I said, no, you know, we're friends. I don't you know, want you to. But then, then I thought about it the next day and I realized, yeah, it's probably a good idea. Uh-huh. And he taught me how to write a, how to write a screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kurt wrote out of Africa and stuff like that. Now, when people ask me, how could you do this while living in Michigan? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, which is a very good question, it's, and it's actually on my, on yeah, my I list. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now that I bring up Kurt, people, when I first started going out to Los Angeles, which was I think 1980s, 79 or 80s, the first time I went out there, uh-huh. um, people told me, "Well, you can't do it unless you move out here." Mm-hmm. And I would think to myself, as I went along, "Well, I know that's true." Except my mentor, Kurt Ludke, lives in Michigan, and he got nominated for an Academy Award on his first screenplay, and he won on the next one. So don't tell me it can't be done, right? It, it can be done, it and, I, be and done. I know the guy. Yeah, yeah I know the guy. Yeah. So, but, so when I finished writing Renaissance Man, I got this great agent, a guy named Stu Robinson, who uh, had a great writer's agency and then founded another agency that they formed called Paradigm, and he, I had a younger agent who was pretty good at first and then realized he, he wanted to do something else, and he went to work uh, for Ron Howard, mm-hmm. and I had just finished Renaissance Man before I'd been writing TV movies, okay. and that's a whole other... When you, when, you, when you write a TV movie or a, a feature movie... Did they did they did they pay you up up front? Like how does that how does no, that work? Like do no. we like to hire you to write a movie, well, or the, do you, or do you just write a movie and then try and shop it around? Like hey, I got this. Well, uh, when you're starting out, yeah, you 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 write it and then you shop it around, right? Right. And there's your and there's your classic 
if you've seen the movie Bowfinger before, which is just a fantastic movie about like this whole industry and just having your script and walking around LA where they're having lunch right. and dropping it on or yeah, you know, yeah, trying yeah. to get yeah, your script out. Yeah. Once you once you make it, yeah. then they'll hire you to write stuff. Okay. Or, you know, yeah. Or you pitch once you have a name. Once you have a name. Did you once... did you have a name before Renaissance Man? For for yes, but here's how it came about. I when I first started uh, saying, okay, I want to do something in Hollywood. Yeah. Back in those days, television, which is phenomenal today, mm-hmm. was, you know, I don't want to say the minor leagues, but it clearly wasn't at the same level yeah, as yeah. feature writing. If you watch, yeah. yeah. Watch and so right. I wanted to, but TV movies were big. Uh-huh. And I watched them, and I thought, well, I any any fool can write a TV movie. I qualify, yeah. right? And it turns out it was harder than I thought. But I studied a form, and I and I, I, you know, I wrote one that was terrible. I wrote another one that was a little better. Uh-huh. I was writing fast, and the third one I knew was very very good. Okay. And they were actually making a movie in Plymouth, a block from my house. Uh huh. With Carl Malden and Ron Silver, a, a movie called a TV movie, a very good movie called Word of Honor. And the, the woman who had hired me to write the half-hour drama at Hanukkah Time, she was working on that movie, and so she invited me to the set. And I got to know, you know, the actors and the director, and they they read my stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so then they were passing it out to agents, and that's how okay. I got my. First, my first agent, right? Okay. And the, the 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 young agent I had that TV movie that was based on a friend of mine it was called Learn to Fall, a friend of mine who I grew up with in Detroit. It sailed through the Hollywood system. Really? I mean, oh, it went so fast. It got um, one of the biggest producers in in Hollywood to you know to to. To, to want to make it, this guy named Ray Stark uh-huh. and his company, and they sent it to uh, Tim, Timothy Hutton, who at the time had just been in the Academy Award-winning film *Ordinary People*. Okay, and *Taps* was just about to come out, and he was the hottest young star, and. They had the guy who directed Brian's song, which is still the most. Oh famous. yeah, Gail Sayers. Yeah, by yeah. Gail Sayers. Yeah, Brian Piccolo. Yeah. Brian Piccolo, the guy who du- directed that, Buzz Kulik, who's going to direct this, and it went to CBS and it sailed through, and we're moving. I'm in Variety and the Hollywood Reporter, and I got paid the option. Wow. And now we're two weeks away, two weeks away from production. Yeah. Timothy Hutton gets a new agent, and she says, "Taps has come out." He's, he's a movie star. He's not going to do television anymore. Oh. He was being offered the highest price in the history of Hollywood to do a TV movie. And they walked away. And CBS was furious. Yeah, yeah. And they pulled the plug. Okay. And oh, I, so I'm here, and I went... It's, Hollywood is a roller coaster. Yeah. Well, I was up. Yeah. And I was down. That's when my friend Kurt, we were at a Christmas party, and he said... Um, he knew I was down. And he said... You know, did you ever think about writing about your experience? And I said, and I was really, and then I decided I'd do it. And then I moved into features. Okay. So 
that young agent I had did one great thing, and then after that he didn't do much for me. Uh-huh. But he did one great thing. When he left, I had just turned in Renaissance. Okay. I wrote it four times over three years to write my first feature. Four times. Four times. In the meantime, I took that TV movie and turned it into a play. Okay. Because the guy... Yeah, so, so you can yeah. adapt it to different formats. Or well, different... it was hard, but I did it. Uh-huh. And we, it, it premiered at the Attic Theater. It had a reading at Pasadena Playhouse. Uh, it set a box office record for a new play in Detroit. Okay. It was great. It okay. was great. Okay. But by then, I, I knew I wanted to be a screenwriter. Okay. Right? So uh, here I am, four times or three years. I send it out there. The agent says he's not going to be an agent anymore, but he gives it to his boss. And the boss calls me up, this guy named Stu Robinson, and he says, I don't know who you are mm-hmm. or where you live. Is it Chicago? And I said, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, from now on, I represent you. There's wow. Not, there's not an ounce of fat on this script. I will sell the script. Guaranteed, might take me two years, uh-huh. but I will. Now, uh-huh. he didn't know who I was. I knew who he was. He's the guy who sold E.T. So, oh, so so that's huge. I'm on the next that's plane. That's huge. I'm, so just just so the listeners know, yeah. not an ounce of fat on this. Yeah. What does that mean? That means that everything everything is there for a reason. Everything. There's no wasted words. There's no or wasted scenes. words. There's nothing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I fly out there to meet him, uh-huh. and he takes me to lunch. Uh-huh. And he says, what do you, this is one of those key moments in your career where he says, what do you want to do? Yeah. You want to move out here? I'll get you lots of meetings, mm-hmm. you know, get you around town. Or do you want, do you want to move back to Michigan and swing for the fences? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, do I tell the truth or do I lie? I got to tell the truth. The guy reminded me of my father. You know? uh-huh. And so I thought, yeah, you can't lie to your father. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're young, you can't you get in trouble. So I said, I said, well, sir, I don't have a choice. My wife's a teacher back in Michigan. We have a baby. Uh, I, I wow. got to go home and swing for the fences. He said, fine. Okay. He represented John Sayles, a big, famous writer and director. Is that a difficult decision for you to? Because there's a lot of appeal, I think, when you're when you're young. Hollywood, maybe you know, like. But but literally, I couldn't afford my house out there. My wife wouldn't leave her job. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. So I said, he said, fine. All I ask, he said, is when I tell you to get on a plane for an important meeting, Uh you do it. And I said, that's a lot cheaper than living out here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. So we became. You know, you hear stories about agents and how they next thing. He was the, this guy made my career. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. he was, he, he was so great. He was so much fun and so dedicated to his clients mm-hmm. that we developed a relationship that was very, very close. And then he, you know, he died in his sleep in his uh, early 60s mm. and you know, he had left, a, he planned everything. He planned his funeral, and he had wanted four writers mm-hmm. to speak at his funeral, and I was one of them, and that was a tremendous, tremendous honor. Wow. A wow. very sad day for me. But, um, yeah, he made it, he made it happen. Uh-huh. Now, before Renaissance Man got sold in 1989, 
in, it took him almost two years to sell it. Yeah. But that's, when, that's it was, when it was making, he was sending it to various producers, people really liked the script, whether they wanted to make it or not. And so because I wrote that script, Michael Douglas's company hired me to write a movie for them. Oh, okay. So as a right. result of this, <clears throat> right. so that got me in the writers' guild. But no sooner did I do that, then we sold Renaissance. So at any given time, you've got multiple projects. You've got you've got you've got ideas that are kind yeah. of in the. In, right. in, so so give me yeah, walk us through your writing process: idea, research, write. Right. Um, do you do you do you set deadlines for yourself, or how many different projects do you do you have going on it at depends. one time? It depends. Since I started uh, teaching at, at at U of M, where I run the screenwriting program, yeah, um, I realized that I couldn't keep doing that. I couldn't afford. There's two things I love to do, still, uh -huh. which is, you know, it used to be teach Shakespeare and and write, and after I made it as a writer, I. You know, I, I couldn't still drive out to Selfridge. I just yeah, didn't have time for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then my alma mater, University of Michigan, called and they said, oh, you live here? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, why aren't you teaching for us? Uh -huh. And I, to tell you the truth, I knew I didn't have time, but I said, oh, I can't say no. I have to do this. So I said, <laughs> okay, here's the deal. I'll t teach a class, but it has to be on Monday night, so if I have to fly out to LA, or, you know, I can only be at night because I write during the day. Yeah. And they agreed to everything I asked for. And then it was, right away, it was clear that there was all this desire for students to learn this. And they asked me to build a program. So while I'm doing that, the, the, right when I first started, I had also written the Mighty Ducks 3. Yeah. And that uh, was done, and it was, came out right after I started teaching there. The, the producers of the market called me and said, we need you to do, um, we need this script that we have, we need it a rewrite for, um, and we need it by, by Christmas. And I said, when you say Christmas, you mean like early January. And I said, no, 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 it's got to be in because we're going to be filming. And I said, this was October, I said. Yeah. I shut down two weeks in December to grade screenplays. Uh -huh. And believe me, Hollywood pays a lot more money than to teach one class. Yeah, at yeah. UFM. I said, much as I love teaching, I won't be able to do this unless I do something that I didn't think I could do, which was collaborate, write with another writer. Ah, and that's got to be a challenge. And I had, but I was fortunate in that I had a a younger cousin in L.A. coming up who had started to sell screenplays and was very good. And I said, I'm going to find us something. Mm -hmm. And I'll try it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I found something and then tried it. And people really liked it. And then they started asking for us as a team. And so then I had a guy oh, in wow. Los Angeles. I'm here. I had a, you know. So then we started to work together, and we started to sell a lot of stuff. Wow. So I've been doing that. Wow. Since. Wow. So <clears throat> when it's time to write, so so looking at a given week, if yeah. you were to if you were to, if you were to keep a calendar, you know, Monday through Friday, yeah, yeah. or you know, depends where you are in the process. 
what time do you get up? When do you write? How do you how do you Morning. how do you summon the, <laughs> the 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 creative gods? Well, it's a job, and so what you do is you. But it, it, it's a different kind of job because you love it, right? Right. It's like you're it, – it, the way I compare it to is it's – it's what, what attracted to me about it was the same thing that made me want to be a baseball player, which was it's competitive, it's hard, it's mm-hmm. a game, mm-hmm. it's fun, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you want to be good at it, you've got to work at it. Absolutely. But if you if you love it, then you want to do the you want to do the work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch LeBron James; that guy works like crazy. Mm-hmm. He's the best player, mm-hmm. but like Michael Jordan, he's also the hardest worker. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how that works. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. The correlation right, right. there. So yeah. what what you do is Woody Allen says, you know. 90, 90% or 99% of the job is showing up. Uh-huh. So what I do is get up every day, you know, I'm up by 7 for sure, sometimes uh-huh. earlier. And I get a cup of coffee, and I sit down, and I start writing. But what I, You but, keep an office in your home. Yeah. Shut the door. Shut the door. Distractions. I mean... Phone got gotta be on silent or turned off or I well, mean because yeah, interruptions drive you nuts. I yeah, think. I mean you know I, I, I'll let it pick up you know unless it's I, I recognize a number or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, but I just you know my most creative times are are in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, I will, and this is where having a partner in LA really works well because I've already been working for three hours while yeah. he's sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Or four sometimes. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if I can write from 7.30 or 8 o'clock till 1, I'm going to get 90% of what I'm going to get in a given day. Yeah. In that time. Yeah. And then, you know, then we'll talk and then I'll flip it over to him. We're working on two projects. I'll go work on something else and he'll, so we'll go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um. But it all depends. You asked the question about the process. Yeah. And where do ideas come from? And I will tell you, this is, I've told this in my class. I had two movies come out in theaters before I knew what a movie idea was. Because I always said, there's no such thing as as a movie idea. It's all about execution. So in other words... But that was based on my experience. It was, your first movies tend to be about things you've done. Uh-huh. So a movie about making up a guy who teaches Shakespeare to soldiers, even though he's not you, you're putting a lot of yourself in it. Right, 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 right. right. Um, so you're not choosing a topic that, that, that is totally beyond you that you yeah, have to go yeah, figure yeah. out. You're, you're writing about what you know. You write, you write what you know, right? Okay. But, and then when the producers of my decks come, it's like, okay. You know, that, that's a world to find. But I really thought no matter that you could write a story about anything if you had good characters and you executed it. And that's, there, there's, there's certainly that's, there's, there's truth in that if you have great characters and. If you look at Seinfeld, story, right? It, right? It's a show about nothing, but these characters right. are spectacular. Right. And so right. it just works. Right, right, right. It works a TV show. But right. you. You, 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 execution is imp- there are movies that are 
like that. But there is such a thing as, wow, that's a movie. Yeah. You know? Okay. okay. Right? That. And, In terms of like an idea that just that just strikes you and you, there it is. And I'm I never had one until, until, this is the first thing my writing partner, Garrett Schiff, and that's the thing I found for him. Yeah. I'm, I, I can remember it's right after uh, New Year's, it was probably like January 2nd, and the movie, I'd gone to see the movie Wag the Dog. Okay. With... Uh, this guy I, I, I play squash with a good friend of mine in Plymouth. He's a city commissioner, a guy named Mike Lake. Yep. Oh, yeah. And he and his wife and I go. My wife has a cold. She can't go. And we go to the movie. And afterwards, we go get something to eat, we get a drink, and, and we're talking about the movie. And Mike had been in Vietnam, and his wife Nancy said, Oh, Mike, ever tell you about the time he went AWOL? I go, what? No. No. <laughs> I knew all those Vietnam stories because, you know, my thing was I protested the war and he was in it. So I went. Ah, uh, so you just don't like go there. I, no, I wanted to know all oh, about yeah, yeah. what it was like, right? Yeah. And he, and I taught soldiers, so, you know. Okay. I wanted, wanted his experience. So here's what happened. Middle of the war, uh, middle of his time, because you're over there, you get an R&R. Right? And so you're supposed to go to some place like Hong Kong uh -huh. or you can go to Hawaii, but you can't go home. Right? Okay. Now, why can't you go home? Because they're afraid if you, you go you, home, you, won't come back. you will not come back. Yeah. Right? So yeah. strictly off limits. Okay. But he and a buddy snuck back home. And I, and my, I, I was like, having grown up there, I, I was like, what? No. I, and I literally looked at him and I said, I don't care what really happened. I know what happened. Because uh -huh. the movie starts writing itself. Yeah. I said, okay, so your buddy is coming back for a girl. Uh -huh. Actually, you were going to a party. I said, I don't care. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, so. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what happened. Your buddy gets a Dear John letter. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And he's got to go back, and you think he's going to have a better story to tell than you will, so you go along for the ride. And he said, that's pretty much what happened. So I said, okay. Okay. So you go to his girlfriend is at Berkeley, which is the kind of, you know, in L.A., which is the, you know, sort of the center of the anti-war movement yeah, in yeah. Ann Arbor. Yeah. He says, well, we went to San Diego. I said, I don't care. Yeah, you go to Berkeley <laughs> and you happen to meet the best girl you're ever going to meet and she's one of the leaders of the anti-war protest. Which means, theoretically, you can fight a war and protest it in the same week. <laughs> and, and he's looking at me, he's going, and I said, and I know what week it was. It was July 16th to July 23rd, 1969, because that's the week that man first walked on the moon. And you, my friend, are Neil and Buzz. And you come back to America, which is your sea of tranquility, and the question is, do Neil and Buzz 
go back or do they stay? Yeah. Do they stay in the room? Yeah. And I saw it just that quickly. Wow. And, and, and he goes, where does that come from? I, I don't know. It comes because it's a movie idea. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so that's basically what I told you. I told Gary, he says, oh, my God. So then we, we – so, so he was just sold, like, like yeah, this is Yeah, yeah, and we took it all over time. And, you know, a lot of people are interested in it. It took forever, considering all the people who wanted to make it, it took forever to get made. We got it made in 2011. We made it. Yeah. With this it, the name got changed at the Cannes Film Festival from AWOL to Love and Honor. But uh -huh. we eventually got it made. Okay. But, Love and Honor, that's, yeah, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the movie. Yeah. Plug, plug for the movie right now. There you should you check go. that one out. That's good, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, but that, that was a pure movie idea. Okay. Um, once you've had one, then we started, you know, I, then I could recognize it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so we are definitely longer than, than, yeah. than, than, the, than the time, but right. this, is, this is great. As long as you're fine with it, I yeah. am. Okay. I want to go a couple rapid-fire questions go, go, here go. now. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about the writing schedule. Um, what about, uh, are there certain habits that would be beneficial for – Aspiring writers, if you, if you could, if you could give brief advice to yes. aspiring writers, yeah, I would say uh, whatever it is you, whatever form you want to write in, read a lot of it. You know, mm -hmm. study other people who are really good at what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Gordy Howe gave me some. You know, recently departed. I got to know him when I was. Uh, I was younger. Mm -hmm. He gave me some great advice. He knew I wanted to be a screenwriter. He said, "Never stop being a fan of the game you're in." Yeah, and, sure. You know, if you mm -hmm. love it, you love it, and you should study the game you're playing. And uh, I, I would say that, but I would also say, you don't wait for inspiration. That's why you show up. You do the job, and you're better off. You, you don't wait to say, you know, I, the muse has to strike me. It'll never happen. Mm -hmm. you, you show up every day. Some days are going to be tough, and some days are going to be great. You're mm -hmm. going to be in the zone. It's like playing basketball. Mm -hmm. One day you can't hit anything. Mm -hmm. The next day you can't miss. Right. The, the muse is good to you if you show up. Keep showing up. And, consistency. And you, the trick is to – you're better off when you're starting. You'd be better off – just sit down for one hour every day. Uh-huh. Write every day. Uh -huh. and the next day, maybe go to two. Yeah. And whatever else you're doing, you can find an hour that you you know you can do it. You Be consistent. It do it at the same time. Whatever that writing time is, mm -hmm. and 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 do it. And then then you learn that if you're doing it every day, the idea you have never goes away. Mm -hmm. So then you learn to right away from the desk. Some of the, when I'm having a problem, like I'll go to sometimes around one o'clock, two o'clock, you know, I'll eat lunch and then I'll, then I'll take a shower because I know that when you're, let's say when you're in the shower or like when you're running or you're doing something else, you're walking, Ruminating, your mind right? is free. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or when you're driving. Yeah. You can't think and drive. So you, your, your, your mind can suddenly go where it wants to go mm -hmm. and let your unconscious take over mm -hmm. and suddenly a solution will present itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I just heard a podcast with Malcolm Gladwell 
who's who's a who's a a, a running enthusiast. Yeah, oh, he's major. Uh, and yeah, yeah. and uh, he was saying that he that he thinks about writing for about three hours for every one hour that he actually writes. Right. Um, right. Just that's fascinating. Yeah. So I mean, it's all the it's all the it's all the same stuff. But it's also here's the thing. If your goal is to you gotta have the right goal. And if your if your goal is to get to get rich, wrong goal. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to get famous, wrong goal. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to get good at something that you love, right goal. Okay. It, you, if you don't have the passion, if you don't love it, do something else. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's too hard. It's too competitive. But if you love it, give it a shot. What are what are common aspects of a poorly written movie? I'm sure you've seen a movie or two that's poorly written. Maybe even movies that became very well known and and very successful that you that you probably saw and were like, I, I, I don't know how this is possible. Well, it's here's here's the thing. It's is it character driven, or is it are, are characters being driven? By the action, you know, action movies and special effects. It's not my thing, but you know, I get it. You blow stuff up, and the story makes no sense. But it was cool, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to like that, but you know, when you're younger, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but story hasn't changed since the, the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. It's human beings are natural storytellers. Mm-hmm. You know, your parents read you a story when you go to bed. You sit around the campfire. Mm-hmm. You tell stories. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're story-making machines. Mm-hmm. People want to hear, learn stories. Absolutely. Story is story. Who's the character? What do they want? Mm-hmm. Why do we care about them? Mm-hmm. They don't have to be good guys or bad guys, but why do we want to root for them? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And we won't root for them. If they don't have a goal that they want very badly, mm-hmm. and they're having trouble getting it. Okay. So if somebody wants something badly, having trouble getting it. If you don't have that, mm-hmm. and it's not driven by the character's actions, then we're not going to get invested in the story. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yeah. dramatic storytelling. Yeah. And the other thing is, what makes something bad is when people are telling you things rather than showing you things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if yeah. a character says, well, this is why I do the things, because when I was young, you did this to me, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Keep it present and we, tell me, show me why somebody's doing it. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which, than, is a, which is much more difficult to come up with, too. Right. And, and but, so I think a lot of telling might be lazy writing. Yeah, and it's all exposition, meaning it's just, it's not dramatic. Mm-hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. I, I I see this mistake in screenplays all the time, where people don't know how to make things dramatic mm-hmm. because they haven't been you know, taught or they just don't know. So it's all all telling, mm-hmm. and I don't care about it. Nobody cares about that. What is um, a purchase of a hundred dollars or, or less that you've made recently that 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 really stands out as that that was a worthwhile purchase? Hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. Hmm. That's, a, that's a great question. A purchase of a hundred dollars. 
you can pass on these too. I'm well, gonna, no, I want to. I, I, I really want to. I want to think about that. Okay. For for, for a second. Um, well, uh, the, the the shoes the shoes I'm wearing. Uh huh. My son Jake was in from L.A. and I I needed a new pair of you know like walking shoes. Uh huh. And he he had them. We went and I said, oh, I, you know, those look good. You like the look? And I went. But they're, they're really, it's just so much to look. They're just really comfortable. Uh -huh. You know, it's hard for me to find a really flat feet, uh -huh. you know, that kind of thing. So that's simple things. Uh -huh. I'm, it, it's, it's funny. I'm not about, you know, things don't mean, yeah. A, yeah. A, you know, a lot to me, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. toys and that, that kind of stuff. Right. But there are, but you know, uh, if trying to think what that's that's a that's a great question. I mean, let if, that one sit. Let okay. that one sit because I have others. What what about a uh, what's the most useful app that you've downloaded in the past three to six months? Well, or are you not the, an app the, guy? Well, I'm, I'm not that much of an ad guy, but the Fitbit app helps. Ah, okay, right? yeah, yes. Yeah. My daughter Devin. Uh -huh. Downloaded for me. Ah, so you, yeah. so you, so your kids keep showing up here. Yeah, as, yeah. yeah. As, yesterday, uh, advisors. Yesterday, I down, I downloaded one of those phone scanners. Okay. I, I mean, you know, you can scan, you can take a picture and make a PDF out of it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It performs, and I did it. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with that one as of yesterday. Although I was very frustrated on when I was buying it. Okay. But, um, Evernote? Is it Evernote? No, this one is, um, I want to see, ScanPro, I think ScanPro. Okay, okay. Yeah. But that's just, if you've got a physical document or just something, of, uh, yeah, I you, take a picture you want to make a, make a photo into a PDF and then you, and then you just have it. And then right, you and then you that. can forward it to somebody. Yeah. Like when I have to yeah. sign a contract or something. Which is, oh, like, yes, let's, yeah. let's do it like that. That, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it is summertime now, high school starting in the fall, um, whether, whether it's your alma mater or really just any average high school, I'm going to give you a billboard to put right out front. And this is your message to all the students going back to school. What do you put on that billboard? Maybe something like life starts now, in the sense that people in high school, I don't know, I was this way, it's like, oh, this stuff doesn't really count. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, yeah. this is something I have to go through. Uh -huh. but Everything is that happens in the future is tied to what you're learning now. If you find something that you're passionate about in high school, or you find something you learn something that that can determine your whole future. Yeah. So 
why why throw it away? You know, it's not like you know everything is preparation for for something else, and I suppose something else is. You can you can make this fun if you want to. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, mm -hmm. it's a, about the passion you bring mm -hmm. to, to to what you study. Sure, right? Sure. You, and now a lot of that's on the teachers. They need to know how to excite people, inspire people, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. it, the, the students need to show up. And bring something to the, you know, to the party. Right. Right. If you choose to go through the motions and say that life begins later. Yep. That's a mistake. Once that, that, no, no, no. Right. So, so your, so your billboard, billboard says life begins now. Yeah. I something like that. Something, something That's good. Like that. That's one of the better answers to that yeah. question that yeah. I've heard. That's really good. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if I, how I would have reacted to it when I was. I would have spray paint on it or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, fantastic. Well, um, thank you for 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 for, for joining me on on this. We are well over time in fact about to set a record for the longest podcast um okay. but but i was riveted the whole time and 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 uh, i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did i did thank you uh, uh, answer to your answer your questions a yes. little more than um because i don't get a lot but for my birthday my wife got me one of those shinola watches oh yeah something made in detroit uh-huh uh-huh that's a possession that i, I like okay right? okay you okay. were, we're detroit we're with pride okay right. okay all right thanks, thanks a lot thanks for listening okay. everyone